Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you're at around the world. My name is Kennard Brown. I'm your host for the Merciful Servants of God Biblical Instructional Program. Today is July 17, 2010. I'm going to read you a little bit of an email that I got from the New York Times today. The title of this article is The Wealthy Reduce Buying and a Blow to the Recovery by Matako Rich. Interesting, his last name is Rich. Anyway, states here that the economic recovery has been helped, and this was written July 16th. The economic recovery has been helped in large part by the spending of the most affluent. Now, even the rich appear to be tightening their belts. So um, I just wanted to read that to you. I'm not going to read the entire article. Uh, If you wish to do so, simply Google this by going to the Google search engine and typing in wealthy, reduce, buying, and a blow to the recovery. But I want to read a scripture that goes hand in hand with this. Uh, Let's turn to James. Chapter 5. Now, this epistle is a prophecy. It applied then, but it applies today as well. And it is addressed, if you look at James chapter 1, it is addressed to the 12 tribes of Israel. Uh, In James chapter 1, verse 1, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. They were scattered back then, and they are scattered today. But to some people like myself, they're not lost entirely, uh, as most historians state, the lost ten tribes of Israel, where they have been rediscovered. And if you want to know who the twelve tribes of Israel are, um, let me just state this. The tribes of Israel are not just the Jews. It's also other uh, groups of uh, types of, of human race. In particular, as I've stated many times in this program, many times in this program, the United States is one of the tribes of Israel geographically. So is Britain. So is New Zealand, Australia, South Africa, and the countries in Northwestern Europe, Canada. For proof of this, go to Britam, B as in boy, R-I-T-A-M dot org. That's B-R-I-T-A-M dot org. Yara Davidi is the world's renowned expert in rediscovering who the 12 tribes of Israel is today, or are today, 
and he has not only biblical proof, but also secular outside of Bible proof. So I implore and encourage you to investigate that. All right. So I just want to make a notation that the following information that I'm about to speak about today is a summary of the Bible study, What is the Last Great Day? Uh, this broadcast was done on May 15, 2010. I don't have time to go over every scripture, uh, read every scripture, because I want to get into what this Bible study is about today, which is the second coming of Messiah, or the Christ, which many people don't understand exactly what he's going to do. I know I did until recently, uh, what he's going to do when he comes back. And this may be kind of shocking to you, because I know it was shocking to me, uh, when God revealed this information to me to, to share to other people. So grab yourself in a seat, sit down, and please uh, listen to what I have to say and realize that I can prove everything that I'm saying out of the Bible. Leviticus chapter 23 is a very significant chapter in the Bible. I encourage you to study this chapter. The days of Elohim, or God, are ultimately pictured and. Actually, the plan of God is ultimately pictured in Leviticus chapter 23. Leviticus chapter 23 outlines the days of Elohim, or God, which ultimately pictured the salvation work of the Messiah, or the Christ. The Passover, the first and seventh days of unleavened bread and Shavuot, have already been fulfilled. There is a significant amount of time between the first coming of the Messiah and the second coming of the Messiah. And this is what many Jews don't understand. They don't understand that in uh, the Tanakh, in the Old Testament, God prophesied that he would come two times uh, in Hosea. And they can look this up in the Hebrew version. It's the same thing. Uh, not the wording, but the concept is the same in, in Hosea. Let's turn there. And I'm going to do a Bible study just... Well, it's not only for Jews, but for anyone that wants proof from the Old Testament that the Messiah had to come two times. Hosea chapter 6, starting in verse 3. Actually, verse 1. Hosea 6, verse 1. Come and let us return unto the Lord, for he has torn and he, he will heal us. He has smitten, but he will bind us up. After two days will he revive us, and the third day he will raise us up. And we shall live in his sight. And that's a picture of the resurrection, verse 3. Then shall we know if we follow on to the Lord. His going forth is prepared as the morning, and he shall come unto us as the rain, as the latter rain. The latter rain is in the springtime, and the former rain is in the fall. So that is a picture of his coming. Now, in the Septuagint, it's very clear in reference to uh, what this is saying as well. And I know in uh, the Jewish translation they kind of water down um, certain words, but uh, even they state that uh, this particular word, uh, when it talks about, actually when it talks about the latter and former, they do recognize that uh, Hebraically it is talking about the latter and the former uh, in the Jewish study Bible. So, there is a significant amount of time between the first coming of the Messiah and the second coming of the Messiah. And then also in Daniel, 
Daniel prophesied. Let's turn here, and I know I spoke to a Jew, and he said, well, I don't believe that Daniel's a prophet. Well, that's his belief, but God thinks that he's a prophet because anyone that predicts the future is a prophet. That's what Daniel did. So, All right, so let's turn to Daniel. Daniel chapter 9. Daniel 9, verse 24. It's a prophecy of the Messiah, even though some Jews say it's not, but it is. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city, which is Jerusalem, to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, and to make reconciliation for iniquity, and to bring in everlasting righteousness, and to seal up division and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Verse 25, which is the anointing of the temple. Uh, know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem, until the Messiah, or the Anointed One, which that's what Messiah means in, in Hebrew, the prince shall be seven weeks and three score and, and two weeks. The street shall be built again in a wall, even in troublous or perilous times. Verse 26, and after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, or in, in uh, the Jewish translation it says shall vanish, which is interesting, but not for himself, and the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and so forth. So anyway, uh, you know that this the Messiah had to be cut off first, all right? And Isaiah chapter 53, which a lot of Jews swear is not talking about the Messiah when their own uh, when the, the Talmud itself in one tractate states that uh, Isaiah 53 is talking about the Messiah. But anyway, Isaiah chapter 53. Uh, starts out in verse 5, but he was wounded for our transgression, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and he, and with his stripes we are healed. So this is talking about the Messiah, and he had to, to, to take all of our sins upon his back because of what? Well, I went over this in a previous Bible study, but we are not supposed to die, ladies and gentlemen. It's not normal for us to die. The reason why we die, if you remember the story, uh, Eve went against God's wishes and her husband's wishes, and she ate of the tree that she was not supposed to eat from. And Adam did tell her not to do it, and, and she was aware of it. Okay, And she did what she was supposed to do anyway, and then the man was not any better. He didn't show any leadership because he went on ahead and did what the woman told him not to do, uh, did what... The woman wanted him to do instead of obeying God, so he was just as guilty, if not worse. Uh, if not, um, what am I trying to say? He was more guilty than his wife because he was supposed to be an example, and he did, he was not a good example to her. He did not correct or rebuke her for disobeying God. So because of that, what did God state? Let's look in Genesis again. Genesis. Genesis chapter 3. So in Genesis chapter 3, and um, God stated this, verse 22, And the Lord said, Behold, the man has become as one of us, uh, Genesis 3 verse 22, to know good and evil. And now that night he put forth his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. So at that particular period of time, Man threw away eternal life. 
And so at this particular time, when he ate of the knowledge of good and evil, he did not have eternal life anymore. Okay? Uh, eternal life was, was, was not there for him. In other words, he could die. And what did God tell him? God told him that if he ate of the tree, he would die. And that's what, that's what we do now. We die because of that. And in Genesis uh, chapter uh, 2, Trying to find when he had warned them about this. Okay, here we go. Uh, Genesis 2, verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat of it. For in the day that you eat thereof you shall surely die. So prior to this, they had eternal life. They could live forever. But he said it. And the day that you eat, you will surely die. So because of them eating of the tree, of the fruit of the tree, death was entered into the world. And this is confirmed by Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Whereby as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Okay? So that is how death entered into the world. Of course, the devil had a lot to, to do with influencing Eve, and then uh, he influenced Eve indirectly to influence Adam to sin. Again, verse 12. In verse 11, rather, says, And not only so, but we also join God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. What is the atonement? Verse 12, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. So because of what happened, death entered into the world. Now, also in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, prior to that, death was not into the world, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, verse Corinthians 15, verse 21, for, sin, for since by man came death. So by that one sin, death was entered into the universe. Prior to that, death wasn't entered in the universe, ladies and gentlemen. By man also the resurrection of the dead. Verse 22, for as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. So that's the reason why Christ, the Messiah, had to come. First, because he had to erase the death penalty. And this is something that Jews just don't understand. They just don't understand that no matter how much praying, how much giving, and you're supposed to do all that, don't get me wrong, you're supposed to get to the poor and all that, but despite all that, if the Messiah did not come the first time as a lamb, that's what the Passover pictures, and sacrifice himself, for all of mankind's sins, not, not just the Jews, whatever works you do is, is going to be in vain because that death penalty was not erased. That's what Jews must understand. All the praying in the world is not going to take away that death penalty. Only the Messiah could do that. All right? 
And then in verse 25, it says, For he, the Messiah, must reign till he put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. So the Messiah, one of his major responsibilities is to destroy death. So I, you know, I'm just trying to, to, to focus that or hone that to your consciousness so you understand what this is all about here, the reason why there is a Messiah. Okay, or anointed one. Now, there is a significant amount of time between the first coming of the Messiah and the second coming of the Messiah. All right, there's plenty of scriptures that, that goes over this. Uh, Luke 4, verse 18 and 19. Matthew 9, verse 35 to 38. Luke 10, verse 2. John 4, verse 35 to 38. Matthew 28, verses 19 to 20. And Acts chapter 1, verses 6 to 8. And I, I'm going to go over that one here shortly here. Actually, right now. Acts because it goes hand-in-hand hand with what I'm going to talk about soon. Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 6. And when they therefore were came together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, will thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. The reason why they asked him that is because they understood Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 31, which we're going to go over today. And they understand Ezekiel 37, which claims correctly and accurately that the house of Judah and the house of Israel will be joined again. They won't be separated like they are today, but the Jews are scattered all over the place, and then all the tribes of Israel, not knowing who they are, the ten tribes are scattered all over the place. They're going to be all gathered together, and they're going to all live in the land of Palestine. That is a part of the new covenant or new agreement. But anyway, and they understood that. Acts chapter 1, verse 6, when they... Therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, will thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? Verse 7, And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit is come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria, and not only Samaria, but in, in the uttermost part of the earth. And that did happen in the first century. And in verse 9, and when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up in a cloud and received them out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, You men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you in heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. And verse 12, Then return unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olives which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. So they were on the Mount of Olives when this happened. He's going to return again on the Mount of Olives, similar to the way he went up. That's what this is saying here. And I'm going to go over that here uh, shortly. But anyway, I just want to state that there is a significant amount of time between Shavuot, which is Pentecost, and Yom Teror, which is um, the Day of Trumpets. Now, the Spring Festival symbolizes the first coming of the Messiah, which is the latter rain, which happens in the springtime. 
The fall festival symbolizes the second coming of the Messiah, which is the early or the former reign. There's certain scriptures for you to look up to understand that. In Deuteronomy 11, verse 14, Jeremiah 5, verse 24, Joel 2, verse 23, and Hosea 6, verse 3. And again, the following information is a summary of the Bible study. What is the last great day? It was, bro the, um, it was broadcast on May 15, 2010. The climatic pattern in Israel and Palestine consists of rainfall happening between November and March. And the harvest is the end of the world. The end of the world is when the Messiah comes back to rule the earth, which is found in Revelation 19 and 20. Messiah or Christ will fulfill Yom Teruah, which is the day of Trump, as Yom Kippur, which is the day of atonement, Sukkot, which is the Feast of Tabernacles, and Shemini Aseret, which is the last great day in the future. That's what the book of Revelation is all about, fulfilling those days. Isaiah chapter 11 and the book of Revelation picture the fulfillment of these fall holy days of Elohim, or God. Now, a quick summary of the Messiah work is found in John 1, verse 29. Let's turn there. How many more minutes I have left here? 37 minutes, okay. John 1, verse 29. says, the next day John see of Jesus, or salvation, that's, his, that's what his name means, coming unto him and says, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. No, don't, just don't take away the Jews' sins, but it takes, he's going to be taking away all the sins of the world. That's the reason why he was born. That's why he had to come the first time. When he comes the second time, he's going to be taking away wickedness from the world. <laughs> So that's a big difference. Anyway, First John, he's going to be taking sin away, but the people that continue to disobey him, he's going to just totally annihilate them, as I'm going to show you. First John, he's, going to, he's not going to tolerate. He came the first time as a lamb, ladies and gentlemen. The second time he's coming is as a lion. And when you get a lion angry, what do they do? <laughs> anyway, First John. First John chapter 3, verse 5. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. So that's the reason why he was manifested. He that committed sin is of the devil. For the devil sins from the beginning, and he did. He influenced Eve to, to take of the knowledge, the tree of the knowledge of the good and evil. For this purpose, the Son of Man was manifested. There we go. The Messiah was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. That's the reason why. Okay, and then uh, in Titus 2, verse 14. Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. So that's the reason why, again, Again, and then in verse 13, it says, Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Okay. Now, let's go over the sequence again, and then we're going to get into the second coming of Christ and what he's going to immediately do once he lands his feet on a Mount of Olives, as Acts chapter 1, verses 68 revealed he would do again. Uh, when he comes back, he will land his feet on the Mount of Olives. Passover. The Passover 
as outlined in Leviticus chapter 23, all the holy days of God picture the salvation work of God. The Messiah's death, Passover pictures the Messiah's death and mankind's deliverance through him. The door of immortality is open again to all of mankind. I go over each one of the holy days in the archives on Blog Talk Radio. I encourage you and implore you to listen to them if you haven't already. Yom Habikarim, Yom Habikarim, or the day of the wave sheaf offering, or first fruits. Yeshua, or Jesus, is the first to rise from the dead. That's what the, that's what the first fruits represents. Uh, a lot of times it's celebrated today as Easter, but that's not what the, the, the name of the day should be. It should be Yom Habikarim, the day of the wave sheaf offering, or first fruits. And I do cover that uh, in, in the archives. All these I do. Shavuot, the Holy Spirit, or Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is poured out on the Messiah's followers so that the Torah or the law of God can be obeyed. This will be fulfilled in a mighty way when the Messiah comes again, as Joel chapter 2, verses 28 to 32 reveals. Now, after these three um, holy days or days of observance, there's a gap of almost 2,000 years. God, through the Holy Spirit, is right now sowing and reaping true believers to rule with him in the kingdom of God. Uh, this is found in 2 Timothy 4, verse 8, Romans 8, verses 16 and 17, Revelation chapter, what is it, 2, I think? Yeah, 2. Revelation chapter 2, verses 26 to uh, 29. Revelation chapter 2, verses 26 to 29. Revelation 3, verses 21 to 22. Revelation 20, verse 4 to 6. Daniel 7, verse 17 to 18. 22 and 26 to 28. Now, the great multitude, which is talked about in Revelation chapter 7, is a part of the great harvest that would be gathered into the kingdom of God in the 21st century. This is found in Revelation chapter 7, verses 11 to 17, Matthew 13, verses 31 to 33, and we're talking about from Abel all the way to the 21st century. These believers have key characteristics, which is found in Matthew 5, verses 3 to 16, and Luke 6, verses 20 to 26. They are poor in spirit and physically poor. James chapter 2, verses 1 to 5. They mourn. They are meek. They hunger and thirst, not for the world and the things in the world, but they hunger and thirst for righteousness. Righteousness in Psalm 119, verse 172. It means the laws of God. Pure in heart. In other words, they don't allow any pervertedness to enter in their minds they're peacemakers and they also are persecuted put down lied on now yom teror or the feast of trumpets is the day it pictures the seven trumpet and i do have a bible study just on what happens at the seven trumpets many people are confused about that the day pictures yom teror or the feast of trumpets the day pictures the seven trumpet plagues or the seven trumpet plagues all seven plagues the seven trumpet, uh, the seven trumpet. That's what I'm trying to say. Yom Teror pictures the seven trumpets listed in Revelation chapter eight, nine, and Revelation eleven, verse fifteen and nineteen. Again, Yom Teror of the the day of trumpets. It pictures all the seven trumpet plagues listed in Revelation eight, nine, and Revelation eleven, verse fifteen and nineteen. The seven trumpet announces the Messiah's return with the blast of, of a shofar or a horn, okay, the shofar. He does not literally return on this day. 
it is just an announcement that his return is imminent. And that's what people are confused by that. But if you look at the text, when they announce, when the seventh angel announces that the kingdom of this world has become the kingdoms of our Lord and, and his Christ or, or his Messiah, he, he's not, he, did, he did not land on the Mount of Olives yet. Many people teach that he has, but he has not. And, and, and I'm going to prove that to you. In Revelation, or actually I already did, if you listen to the archives of uh, what happens uh, at the seventh trump, you'll see. So all this, the uh, seven trumpet plagues or judgments are found in Revelation 8, 9, and Revelation 11, verse 15 and 19. It's a description of each. All right. And remember, um, these end times, uh, it's best for you to remember the sequence of events that are occurring. Right now we're in the seals part of judgment, and in particular the third seal. The third seal is inflation. If you look at Revelation chapter um, and worldwide economic problems, which uh, we are having right now, that's where we're at right now in prophecy. Uh, Revelation chapter 6, starting in verse 6, And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny, and see thou not hurt the oil and the wine. And again, in my... Uh, King James um, Bible here, study Bible, it, it beautifully describes what this means. And uh, actually, um, yeah, in Revelation 6, verse 5, it says, And when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, Come and see, and I beheld, and lo, a black horse, and he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand, which is in reference to economics. Verse 6, And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny, and see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. So, in my study Bible here, it says the third seal represents inflation and famine, and that's what we're going through right now. The balances or scales are related to commerce and trade, economics. The word penny or socioeconomics. The word penny, better transliterated, denarius, represented about one day's wages. Wheat and barley were considered necessities of life. A measure was about one quart. The price given is about ten times what was normal. Okay? So that's what we're going through right now, ladies and gentlemen. We're going through a recession, which is going to balloon into a Great Depression. Actually, we're, going, we're in the beginning stages of a Great Depression. Whether you realize it or not, this country right now is over $74 trillion. I think one person said $100 trillion. That's with a T. With a T, as in Tom, $100 trillion in debt. That is a lot of debt, ladies and gentlemen, and no country, unless you start following the laws of God, which this country is not doing completely, will ever be able to come out of that debt. Okay, so in the remaining time that I have, I just wanted to give a, a background and foundation to what I'm going to talk about today and grab onto your chair, sit down, and, and listen to what I have to say, because I doubt seriously that you've heard this from many ministers about what's going to really happen when, when Christ comes back. Because a lot of religions, they focus on heaven, and heaven is in the picture, okay? But we're not just going to live in heaven. We're going to rule on the earth. Those who are of God are going to be ruling, of the, ruling the earth with the Messiah. That is the truth that not many Jews understand uh, and not many Christians understand. So the second coming of the Messiah or the Christ is pictured in Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur, or the Day of Atonement, is the national atonement coming to the entire tribes of Israel, which includes the tribe of Judah and Levi, the Jews, 
as all the tribes recognize the true Messiah and they repent or they change their minds. Currently, most Jews don't believe that Yeshua or Jesus is the Messiah and Christians, which in the Bible are identified as Ephraim and the ten lost tribes of Israel, believe in a counterfeit Yeshua. So Christians or Ephraim, they believe in a counterfeit Yeshua that destroyed the Torah and removed it by dying on the cross. What I mean by Torah, for those who don't know what that means, it means the laws of God or the doctrines of God. So anyway, most of Christianity, they do teach that Jesus or Yeshua destroyed the, the law of God or the law of Moses, which is the law of God, and removed it by dying on the cross. Both Jews and Christians will realize who the true Messiah is one day in the future. Plus, this day represents, it represents the process of separating the righteous from the wicked, which will be initiated or started when the Messiah lands his feet on the Mount of Olives and will end after the great white throne judgment found in Revelation chapter 20. So let me repeat this. The, pro okay, the day represents the process of separating the righteous from the wicked as soon as he lands his feet on the Mount of Olives, which will be initiated when the Messiah lands his feet on the Mount of Olives and will end after the great white throne judgment found in Revelation chapter 20. And then after that, pictures the last great day, which I've done a Bible study on as well. So let's go over the scriptures here. I'm going to try to quickly go over them here in the remaining 25 minutes that I have. So Revelation chapter 14. Revelation chapter 14. Starting in verse 17, it pictures another harvest. And this is the harvest you don't want to be a part of, nor do I. Revelation chapter 14, verse 17, And another angel came out of the temple which is in the heaven, he, he also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar which had power over fire. So this angel had power over fire and cried with a loud cry to him that had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in thy sharp sickle, and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. And the angel thrust in the sickle into the earth, and gathered the vine of the earth, and cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of God, which obviously must involve fire, because this is the angel that had power over fire. Verse 20, And the winepress was trodden without the city, and blood came out of the winepress, even into the horse's bridle, by the space of a thousand six hundred furlongs. So this is talking about the separation of the wicked from the righteous. And Revelation 15 and 16 talks about the what I talked about last week, the seven last plagues. All these occur before Jesus, or Yeshua, lands his feet on the Mount of Olives. Isaiah chapter 66. Isaiah chapter 66. Starting in verse 15. It states, that for behold, the Lord will come with fire and with his chariots like a whirlwind to render his anger with fury and his rebuke or correction with flames of fire. For by fire and by his sword will the Lord please. So there's going to be fire destruction. Also, he's going to kill and blood's going to come out because he's going to also use force. For by fire and by his sword will the Lord plead with all flesh and the slain of the Lord shall be many. And for those who like to eat pig's flesh, uh, it says right here, they that sanctify themselves and purify themselves 
in the gardens behind one tree and in the midst eating swine's flesh or pigs and the abomination in the mouse shall be consumed together, says the Lord. So for anyone listening to that, God doesn't want you eating pork, and this is in the end-time context. So it's not just talking about Jews, it's talking about anybody. Isaiah chapter 24, Isaiah chapter 24, starting in verse 5 to 6, says, The earth also is defiled under the inhabitants thereof, because they have transgressed the laws, changed the ordinance, broken the everlasting covenant. We have changed his law. God never changed his law. We did. Okay? And we teach this big lie that Christ came and, and done away with the law of God. He didn't. Uh, Psalm chapter 21. That's the reason why the earth is going to be burnt up and few men left. Psalm, he's going to express his anger and his indignation, his righteous indignation, and people thinking that, most people thinking that the law was nailed to the cross, and it's not. Psalm chapter 21, verse 9. Psalm 21, verse 9. States this, it says, Thou shalt make them as a fiery oven in the time of thine anger. The Lord shall swallow them up in his wrath, and the fire shall devour them, the wicked. Psalm 97. Psalm 97. Psalm 97, verses 1 to 5. The Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. Let the multitude of isles be glad, or the, the islands, or the isles in the sea. Clouds and darkness are round about him, and righteousness and judgment are the habitation of his throne. A fire goes before him and burns up his enemies round about. His lightnings enlightened the world. The earth saw and trembled. Verse 5, The hills melted like wax at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. When he comes back, this is what's going to happen, ladies and gentlemen. It's not going to be pleasant. It's not going to be pleasant. Hebrews chapter, and the reason why is because people are going to dare try to fight him, which is ridiculous. Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 29, states this about our God. He says, for our God is a consuming fire. He's a consuming fire. That's what he is. And then Deuteronomy 4. How much time I have left here? Uh, 20 minutes. Deuteronomy 4, verse 24. Deuteronomy 4, verse 24. For the Lord thy God is a consuming fire. And why? A jealous God. He does not like you taking anything above him. And rightfully so. Deuteronomy 32. Deuteronomy 32. And keep in mind, this prophecy is addressed to the whole world. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 1. Give ear, O you heavens, and I will speak, and hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. Okay, so Deuteronomy 32, starting in verse 22, actually starting or ending right there, because I just want to quote the scripture in the context of what I'm talking about. Deuteronomy 32, verse 22. For a fire is kindled in my anger and shall burn into the lowest hell, which 
this word means the lowest part of the grave or the earth, and shall consume the earth with her increase and set on fire the foundations of the mountains. So again, there's going to be this great fire, this great purifying of the earth when he comes back. It's not just going to happen after the millennium. Uh, Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. This is what John was talking about. I, I understand now what he was talking about after all these years. Matthew chapter 3, verse 7, and it puts the fear in me, and it should put the fear in you and get your act together. Ma Matthew chapter 3, verse 7. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism or immersion, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who have warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Now, I understand what that wrath is now. Bring forth, therefore, fruits, meat for repentance, and think not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Here we go with this Abraham stuff over and over again. And you, to be children of Abraham, ladies and gentlemen, you must care about people and, and be hospitable toward people because that's what Abraham was. He was very, he had a, a sentiment of hospitality about himself. And he helped people, and he cared about people. So if you want to consider yourself a child of Abraham, you better act like him. Verse 10, And now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Therefore every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit, and the tree, of course, is talking about a human being, is honed down and cast into the fire. It will be burnt up. Verse 11, I indeed baptize and immerse you with water into repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize or immerse you with the Holy Spirit if you're righteous. But if you're wicked, he's going to destroy you, it says, and with fire. So the Messiah will either immerse you with the Holy Spirit, you have eternal life, or he'll immerse you in fire, you'll be destroyed. Plain and simple as that. And then Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12 starting in verse 49, he states this, I am come to send fire on the earth. So that's one of the reasons why he has come to come the second time to send fire on the earth. I am come to send fire on the earth. Again, verse 49, I am come to send fire on the earth. And what will I if it be already kindled? In other words, you know, what's the, what's the use if it's already kindled? It hasn't been kindled yet. Verse 50, but I have an immersion of baptism to be baptized with, and how am I straight to all be accomplished? Suppose you that I have come to give peace on the earth? No, he didn't come to give peace on the earth the first time. I tell you, that's what they teach, but he, he didn't. You know, it's like the baby that made peace unto his good will. No, he didn't come to bring peace to the earth, ladies and gentlemen, not the first time anyway. I tell you, nay, but rather division. Verse 52, for from henceforth there shall be five in one house divided, three against two, and two against three. Verse 53, the father shall be divided against the son, and the son against the father, the mother against the daughter, and the daughter against the mother, the mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Verse 54, and he said also to the people, when, when you see a cloud rise up out of the west, straightforward you say, there come a shower, and so it is. And when you see the south wind blow, you say, there will be heat, and it cometh to pass, you hypocrites. You can discern the face of the sky and of the earth. In other words, you can tell what the weather is going to do. But how is it that you cannot discern this time? And that applies today. We can't seem to understand why 
there's wickedness in the world. But yet we can tell when a hurricane is going to strike or when there's going to be tornadoes. And then he states in verse 57, Yes, and why even of yourselves judge ye not what is right? So that's what he's primarily concerned with, even today, us judging righteously. And because we don't judge righteously collectively as a human race, we have problems and will continue to have problems until he comes back. Second Thessalonians and wipe out all the wickedness on the earth and keeps the righteousness on the earth. Second Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians chapter one, starting in verse six, states, Seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. He's talking about his servants, those who trouble them. And we do get troubled. Verse 7, And to you who are troubled, rest with us, even when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, and flaming fire taking vengeance on them that, that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. When he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe, because our testimony among you was believed in that day. So he's going to come in flaming fire to take vengeance, ladies and gentlemen. Fire has a significant role in all this. Uh, in Second Thessalonians uh, chapter 2, he's going to destroy the anti-Messiah, Antichrist, with fire. Uh, it says, and then shall the wit that wicked be revealed in Second Thessalonians 2, verse 8, and then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. So the devil is going to give him his power and great authority. Now, Yeshua of the Messiah's countenance or face is, shines like the sun. Revelation chapter 1. Starting in verse 12 to 16. Says, and I turned to see the voice that spoke with me, and um, be, being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks, and in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and with girdle bound the past with his golden girdle. He, his head and his hairs were white like wool. His hair wasn't wool, but it was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire. Verse 15, and his feet like unto fine blasts, as if they burn in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance or face was as the sun shining in his strength. So he's going to come back in his full glorious form, ladies and gentlemen. And those who aren't righteous, ain't going to, they're not going to survive, unfortunately. That's what's going to happen. In Malachi chapter 3 and 4, because I don't have time to read all these scriptures, it de definitely tells you in detail what's going to happen when he returns uh, toward the end. Please listen to uh, the audio version of Malachi chapter 4, it says, Behold, the day comes that burns as an oven. That's what it's talking about when he comes back. And then Zechariah chapter 14. I'll read a little bit of Zechariah 14. Zechariah chapter 14 says, Behold, the day of the Lord comes, and thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. And that's talking about what's going to happen at when the sixth vial, as I explained, sixth vial plague that's going to be thrown out, thrown in Revelation chapter 16. 
uh, he's going to gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken, and the house rifled, and the women ravaged or raped, and half the city shall go into captivity, and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations, as when he fought in the day of battle. And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west, and there shall be a very great valley, and half of the mountain shall remove toward the north, and half of it toward the south. Okay, and then in verse 5, it says, And you shall flee to the valley of the mountains, to the valley of the mountains shall you reach in the Azel. Yes, you shall flee, like as you fled from before the earthquake in the days of Uzzah, king of Judah, and the Lord my God shall come, and all the saints with thee. So all the angels and the saints will be with him. And it shall come to pass in that day that the light shall not be clear nor dark. Okay, but it shall be one day which shall be known to the Lord, not day nor night, but it shall come to pass that at evening time it shall be light. And it shall be in that day that living water shall go out from Jerusalem, half of them toward the former sea, and half of them toward the hinder sea in the summer and in the winter shall it be. And the Lord shall be king over all the earth in that day, and that day shall there be one God, not different religions, and his name one. Okay? And then... Right here in verse 12, he said, And this shall be the plague wherein the Lord will smite all the people that have fought against Jerusalem. Their flesh, and many people interpret this as nuclear bombs. That's not, that's not what's going to happen, ladies and gentlemen. The reason why their flesh is going to consume while they are standing upon their feet, and their eyes shall consume away in their holes, and their tongue shall be consumed away in their mouth, is because they're going to be burnt up. They're going to be literally burnt up, and not by a nuclear bomb. By God's great power. That's what's going to happen. Okay, so that is the great plague that's going to happen upon those who are wicked, those that dare fight against the Lord at Jerusalem. So that's what your Bible states. Okay, I only have eight minutes left. I'm going to have to pick up uh, on this uh, next week. But um, Joel chapter 3 also covers this. Let me read a little bit of that. Joel chapter 3 states this, and, it, and the word of the Lord came unto Jonah. Oh, no, it's Jonah. Joel. I already know about Jonah. Okay, Joel, where are you? Joel, Joel, Joel. Joel, finally found Joel. Joel chapter 3, For behold, in those days and in that time shall I, will I shall bring... Wait a minute. Joel 3, verse 1, For behold, in those days and in that time when I shall bring, again, the captivity of Judah and Jerusalem, is talking about half the city being taken over, uh, trampled upon, I will also gather all nations, it's talking about the same thing in Zechariah chapter 14, and will bring them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat, and will plead with them there for my people, and for my heritage Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations, and parted my land. As Zechariah 14 stated, half the land will be parted. And they have cast lots for my people, and have given a boy for a harlot, and sold a girl for wine that they might drink. All right. 
And then he states right here in verse 9, Proclaim ye this among the Gentiles. Prepare war. Wake up the mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am strong. Assemble yourselves and come, all ye heathen, and gather yourselves together round about. Tither cause thy mighty ones to come down, O Lord. Let the heathen be wakened and come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat. For there will I sit to judge all the heathen round about. So it's going to be a judgment when he comes back. A judgment of annihilation for the wicked. Verse 13, put ye in the sickle for the harvest is ripe. This is the harvest that's talked about in Revelation chapter 14, verses 17 to 20. Uh, put ye in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come, get ye down, for the press is full, the vats overflow, for their wickedness is great. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision, for the day of the Lord, the literal day when he comes back and lands his feet on the Mount of Olives, is near in the valley of decision. The sun and the moon shall be darkened, and the stars shall withdraw their shining when he comes. The Lord also shall war out of Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem, and the heavens and the earth shall shake. But the Lord will be the hope of his people and the strength of the children of Israel. Okay. So that describes again his coming. And in Revelation 19, which I wanted to get into today, which I'm not going to have time to get into today, unfortunately. I only have five minutes. Well, I might be able to read a little bit of this. Let me go ahead and start in Revelation 19. And then we'll pick up uh, next week because I'm going to talk about what's going to happen during the thousand years, and then what's going to happen after the thousand years. Okay, so that's what we're going to talk about next week. Revelation chapter 19. And in uh, verse, uh, let's talk about what's going to happen when he comes back here. So there's a celebration in heaven because the destruction of Babylon. And I've went over this in previous broadcasts, but let's go to Revelation 19, verse 11. And I saw heaven open, behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he does judge and make war. His eyes, this is describing his, his descent to the Mount of Olives with the angels and the saints. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven, which consists of the angels and the saints, followed him upon white horses clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his vesture... Uh, and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I saw an angel stand up in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourself together into the supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings, and the flesh of captains, and the flesh of mighty men, and the flesh of horses, and of them that sit on them, and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. And I saw the beasts and the kings of the earth and, they, and their armies gathered together, same event that's talked about in Joel 3 and Zechariah chapter 14. They were gathered together to make war against him. How dare they do that? But that's how warped they are at this point. To make war against him that sat on, on the horse and against his army, which consists of angels and the saints. Verse 20, And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, uh, which with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and them that worship his image. These both were cast alive into the lake of fire burning with brimstone. 
And the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceeded out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. And so not only are they going to be killed by the sword, they're also going to be killed by fire, as I have proved to you out of the Bible. This day is going to be day uh, that burns like an oven to the wicked. And then in Revelation 20, verses 1 to 3, And I saw an angel coming down from heaven. I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan, and bound him a thousand years, and cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more, till the thousand years should be fulfilled, and after that he must be loosed. A little season. And in verse 4, And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheld, beheaded for the witness of Jesus. So that means some of us are going to get our heads cut off. And for the word of God, and, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. In verse 5, but the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy, and this is further proof that the resurrection doesn't occur before the tribulation. It occurs after the tribulation because it talks about the first resurrection in the context of Christ coming back, which is initiated at the seventh trump. Even though he doesn't land his feet on the Mount of Olives, he comes to resurrect the saints and he takes them to God's throne room so they can prepare to come back to earth to rule the earth. That's what happens. Uh, and in verse 6, Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death have no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him a thousand years. Okay? So that is what's going to happen when Christ comes back. And we're going to pick up on this next week, and we're going to talk about what's going to happen during the millennium and then after the millennium, when there is a new heaven and a new earth, and when sin is totally destroyed and there will be no more death upon the earth may the lord bless and keep you and i'll speak to you next week malachi chapter 4 for behold the day cometh that shall burn as an oven and all the proud yea and all that do wickedly shall be stubble and the day that cometh shall burn them up saith the lord of hosts that it shall leave them neither root nor branch but unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse.